Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. And um, we've got a great guest coming on, but I think we got to kind of warm them up, Sarah, for it. Oh, yeah. And the, and the way that we can do that is to talk about um, what I've been obsessed with over the past couple of weeks, which is Miralax and pooping and <laughs> constipation and um, bedwetting and how they all fit together. And not and that they're not related to you particularly. Well, you exactly. know, I sometimes have to wear my pull-ups. No, um, <laughs> it's related to, and it's, this is actually really interesting. I um, So a friend of yours mm-hmm. uh, wrote a book, Suzanne Schlossberg wrote a book called It's No Accident, mm-hmm. which is about... Um, uh, wetting the bed and um, mostly little girls getting UTIs a lot um, and some other kind of, you know, toilet related issues. And uh, can I just also say, I think there's one or two anecdotes in there uh, drawn from my family's life, including when we had to um, dig a super hard poop out of John's butt using a spoon. Oh, no way. Oh my God, Sarah. The end of, which end of the spoon? Do we still have the spoon? Oh, you do not. (laughs) Dimity will never eat yogurt oh, at my house I again. Not, I am not eating. I am only using my fingers at your house. I'll eat, I'll eat you know, Ethiopian style because like, I am. You do not have the spoon. Still, no, 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 no. I was, I was messing with you. Oh, but okay. uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, we used the, um, I think we used the end of a wooden spoon. I can totally envision it. We'd, like we weren't even in the bathroom, I don't think. But John was, anyway, I'm not going that rude. Read yeah. the read the book. There's some amazing um, anecdotes in there. And I do have to say that Suzanne Schlossberg um, is the co-author of another book, my first ever book, The Essential Breastfeeding Log, which I don't even think is in production print anymore. But um, yeah, it's um, it's an amazing book who can help a lot of families. And, well, that's um, the thing. So yeah, I mean, I I heard about it, and then I and then you know, and I, the thing about that she writes about is no one talks about it, you mm-hmm. know, and it's it's kind of true. It's not like you put up on Facebook, wow, my son is almost eight, and it's the third time I've had to change his sheets this week, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and so, but that's our situation, and you know, we're all for nothing but honest around AMR. So, um, so yeah, so you would, you know, I kind of knew about it, um, and then uh, my friend Sally, who we're actually going to have on in a couple of weeks, she's a, a nutritionist and a um, has some great ideas for family meals. I was talking to her on the phone and she mentioned it as well. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll buy it. So I bought it. Um, and we're trying, I mean, the idea behind it is, is that, um, kids get constipated and, um, even if they're pooping, they're still constipated and kind of epically constipated, Epic, like, yes. like, like, like almost like backlogs emphasis on the word log. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. And, um, and I mean, they, she, you know, she goes, I won't, I don't want to do the book injustice by not by giving out false information, but I mean, they go, Suzanne wrote it with a doctor, a a pediatric urologist. So a very qualified person, obviously. Um, But um, the whole idea in a nutshell is that um, like they have this big mass of, of, you know, feces in their colon pushing on their bladder, Mm -hmm. like, you know, almost like a pregnant woman, you know, pushes on your bladder, the baby pushes on your bladder. Um, and that combined with poor toileting habits, which, um, Ben 
I realize now that I realize that what toilet habits are, I realize he has them. He doesn't he doesn't go to the bathroom at all at school. From wow. eight from seven fifty to three thirty, he does never goes to the bathroom. Well, and, so and, and part of it is also that our schools are you know, that that sometimes teachers won't give kids, you know, a pat they think that, oh, teacher, I have to go to the bathroom. It's like, ah, you're just trying to get out of doing math or something like yes. that. Oh, and for so sure. that so and also, I mean, have you been in a in a school bathroom recently? I mean, they are stanky, nasty places. Well that's there's a whole chapter on it in this book yeah. about about bathroom hygiene and like and there's actually a whole campaign. You can go to this website and you know, and it teaches you how to clean up your school's bathrooms, you know, how to get get the school on board and get other parents on board. I mean, it's a, you know, it's an amazingly helpful book in many respects. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, so yeah, so there's that. I mean, I think he was just shy and he said he didn't want to miss any of his work, which I don't know. I know the little, the little, he loves a good worksheet. Ben just loves a good worksheet. Dare I say he's a brown noser? (laughs) (laughs) He may be, he may be. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's going to work or not. I mean, the whole thing starts with like, basically, I mean, the best case scenario is that you give your child an enema every day, which is not going to happen. You know, if your child is maybe smaller, you know, three, four, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, but obviously that feels very intrusive and I have no interest in doing it. So, um, so the whole thing is, is you do like this kind of clean out over the weekend with Miralax, mm-hmm. um, and, like 14 doses. I mean, cause he's a big kid, 14 capfuls of Miralax, which is, you know, a uh, laxative, mm-hmm. um, in about 64 ounces of, um, they suggest Gatorade because, they basically, you know, they're pooping diarrhea and they need some electrolytes and, and um, you know, ways to hold on to their liquid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can't have any carbonation in it, which I feel like noon has a little fizz to it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so so anyway, so we've done that twice. We've done two weekend cleanouts because they recommend doing it again. Um, and now it's like six, I told, you you know, the first time we did the clean out, I was like, okay, we're in the clear. And, uh, you know, that didn't work. Um, and so we tried it again two weeks later. And now I've got like 60 um, intense days <laughs> um, because, you know, she talks about how it's not going to happen overnight. Oh. So 60 intense days of charting his pull-up you know, wetness and how many times he poops a day and really trying to, you know, I mean, that's, you know, through this whole book, you know, they talk about how you've got to pay attention, you know, Mm. that's a lot, you know, usually like you potty train your kid and you're like, sweet, I am liberated. I never have to wipe another butt. And it's now it's like, okay, Ben, can you show me what you did today? (laughs) Don't flush until I see it. Oh gosh. Oh my um, gosh. So I'm thinking about, you know, the way, um, good old, um, mini Alice, uh, uh, had the, had the, you know, her training chart that she would post on our Facebook so often. And, and, you know, the whole like smiley face and stars. And so now I envision like, oh, there's Dimity's training schedule and there's Ben's like pooping and peeing schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I mean, I'm pulling out the stops because I mean, he, I've signed up for a week at sleepaway camp, which Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the questions on the questionnaire was, does your child wet the bed? So it's not like they're going to, you know, this will be the first time dealing with this, you Mm -hmm. know, but, um, he, I know that he wants to go so badly, but I also know to he has, you know, he, he's embarrassed he's to wet his bed. Yeah. yeah. So I really would like to try to get it cleaned up before that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, in a better place, at least it may not be totally alleviated because it may take six months, but I, I'm on desperate measures. I mean, I told Ben, if you chart this for 60 days and stay on top of it, because, you know, he has to take Miralax every day. I need mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom twice a day at school. Mm-hmm. He has to sit on the bathroom, on the toilet after breakfast, after dinner. Wow. I mean, it's, it's a pretty regimented schedule. Uh Um, 
I told him that uh, I would give him, he could do it for 60 days. I told him I would give him $60 to spend at the Lego oh. store, which oh, is that's... very, very generous. Of me. I am usually not like that, but yeah. no, I, I really think, I think that's a strong incentive. Yeah. yeah. And also, yeah. I mean, from, from talking to Suzanne, uh, you know, as you mentioned, she's one of my friends and, and so I just remember when she was doing research with us, she called him, you know, I think she calls him Dr. Potty. And um, that, uh, you know, she just, the thing she would tell me, it was kind of outrageous. And, and that it was also about, you know, how that it can really do lasting damage, that, that constipation can do lasting damage to a child's um, colon because it stretches it out so much and sure. and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, not to put the, you know, put fear into people, no, into I, listeners, but, um, you yeah. know, it's it's a, it's a serious situation. And, and I'm impressed and proud that you are, you know, trying something that that takes a lot of you know um conviction and and you know yeah. diligence to to work on well it's, it's definitely kind of the equivalent of you know when i had a problem with my back and i was like okay i just want a cortisone shot so i was like okay ben 14 doses of miralax will be in the clear you know mm-hmm. and then the doctor was like oh no you have to go to pilates for basically the rest of your life <laughs> like okay ben now i've got to like basically lord over your sphincter for the next 60 days so um so this should be fun See, but I think as I think as as you know, mother runners, we are used to being on training schedules and you know sure. being kind of regimented about things. So I think those those tools in your you know in your shed will serve you well, Dimity. I so. think so. I think so. So the book is called, if you have a, a kid who you know, like I said, it's it's um, wetting the bed for both genders, um, like UTIs a lot for girls, urinary tract infections, or other things that kind of keep popping up that shouldn't be popping up in a kid, you know, under 10. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called, it's no accident. And, um, you know, I would definitely recommend at least looking into it and see if it might fit your, um, kids needs, if that's something you're interested in solving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they are not a sponsor of AMR by yeah. any stretch. <laughs> they are not, but, but so, uh, so, and that's by Suzanne Schlossberg, but the author we're having on today is Mary Roach, who is a longtime freelance writer, as well as an author of four bestsellers, including Stiff, The Curious Life of Human Cadavers, um, Packing for Mars, The Curious Science of Life in the Void, and the book that is the reason we are having her on, uh, her most recent book, which I believe just came out in paperback, is Gulp, Adventures in the Alimentary Canal, which is um, basically, um, you know, from your mouth to your butt, which is so we know that um, you listeners have a lot of TMI questions. And, and, you know, as runners, we think about poop a lot. So that's why we have Mary Roach on our show today. Gotta get up, gotta get out, gotta get home before the morning comes. What if I'm late? Got a big day, gotta get home before the sun comes up. So excited to have you on our show, Mary. Thank you for taking time during your book tour to talk to us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Awesome, awesome. So um, so let's just ease into this discussion. Are you a runner or do you do some other form of regular exercise? No, I'm not a runner. I ride my bike uh, back and forth from my office about four miles uh, as often as I can. Nice, nice. And you live in San Francisco, is that right? No, I live in Oakland, California. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's like a that's, okay. that's a bad uh, bad mistake to make. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. So, so Mary, we're just going to fess up right from the get go. Um, so, we brought you on because our mother runner tribe loves to talk about too much information, TMI type topics, especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, especially things that relate to the gut and butt, as I called it yesterday on our Facebook page. And so we wanted you as a guest because um, you're now an expert on these types of issues, thanks to the research you did for Gulp, and we know that you can talk about them in a clever, witty way. So, you know, no pressure, but that, that's, that's where the bar is set for you for this interview. So, 
Sure. So we're so we're interested. You know, how did you get interested? You know, so so we're interested in alimentary canal issues, but um, we're runners and we often deal with you know several gut issues a week. But tell us what 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 prompted you to dive into this topic with such vigor. Oh, it's just a very merry roach place. I tend to cover the human body and particularly things that are taboo. And so uh, the alimentary canal, the whole, you know, nose to tail, the tube, mm-hmm. is a pretty classic yeah. kind of place for me to spend some time. And, and I just think there's also so many, so many books about food and cuisine and, and the you know, the loftier side of eating and then um but nothing nothing ever gets said about the rest of it and it's pretty interesting yeah yeah well so tell us what what um was the most interesting part of your research or what what's something that piqued your interest unexpectedly when you were um doing all your interviews and visits and stuff oh i i didn't really anticipate that i'd end up spending time in avenal state prison uh, this was for the rectum chapter. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, because uh, I thought, well, the rectum is a storage facility, basically. It's a holding and drying area. So I thought, well, who's using the rectum for the purpose for which it evolved? And people who are smuggling things in and out of prison tend to use their rectum that way. So I thought these people would have an interesting perspective on uh, the rectum and the defecatory reflex and overriding it, trying to hold back. So that was an unusual afternoon. Yeah. Well, so that kind of leads well into, uh, you know, kind of get into the why and how come questions. And we've organized them in the same way that you've ordered that the witty essays in your book from the top, the mouth down. Um, so, and we got some of our questions from our mother runner tribe on Facebook. So you talked about how 80% of the small intestine, um, contributes to the digestive process? I mean, is that the most important organ when we're talking about digestion? Yeah, 80% of absorption of nutrients is happening in the small intestine. The small intestine is built for absorbing nutrients. It's covered with these little finger-like projections. It's very sort of Dr. Susie-looking organ. It looks, uh, well, also sort of velvety if you look at it, not microscopically, uh, not zooming in so they're like little fingers, but if you just looked at it, it's almost like terry cloth. And and in the same way that terry cloth has greater surface area for absorbing water, um, the small intestine has a tremendous amount of surface area for absorbing all of the the nutrients. You know, the the large intestine is mostly, you know, Water, you know, drying out the material so that you can release it in a more convenient form than just having diarrhea. Um, so, the, yes, the small, it's the small intestine is where, you know, it's not happening in the stomach. It's, uh, it's happening in the small intestine. That's where the nutrients go into the bloodstream. So, but not even um, sugar or things like that um, are absorbed in the stomach or no? But no, well, the, no, the stomach is is the you know enzymes and gastric acid and sort of a, it's a muscular churning, kind of almost like a washing machine. It's 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 stirring and breaking stuff apart and and breaking it so sort of liquefying it so that uh, it's in a form where the maximum amount of nutrients can be absorbed once it gets into the small intestine. So, but how long does it take from when you take something into your mouth before it starts getting out into your bloodstream? Well, it depends entirely on what you eat. Um, it's you know. It's, how, about, how about something just as simple as, as sugar, or you know that's you know simple carbohydrates. 
Well, it does depend. I, you know what? I don't know. It's it's you take it in. I mean, they've done. William Beaumont did the classic. Spent 30 years sticking things right. into this poor guy's open stomach, hole in right. his stomach. Some right. things take an hour before they move on to the small uh, intestine. Other things take several hours to break down. So it depends on kind of the matrix that it's in and how long it's going to take to break break it down. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm not really a, a nutrition person at all. I'm not going to be very helpful to you, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, no worries. Well, wait. I want to hear more about this um, because I have not read gulp yet it's on my list but sarah has read it so tell me about this 30-year experiment i mean was this man alive yeah he was... he, yes he was he he there'd been a a gunshot a rifle went off and he was hit in the side uh and the wound never the the, the side of the stomach never fully healed so and Beaumont, this, and our, this was back in the olden days yeah 1820s and spanning onward from there so uh the physician realized well this is it would be an interesting way to do experiments into digestion. You know, I could look at the stomach. Is it a chemical process or is it a mechanical process? And it just turns out it's it's both. Uh, but he would he would put in a little mesh bag. He'd put uh, you know, raw meat, whole chunks of you know, oh, mutton geez. or cabbage or whatever in a little mesh bag so that you know fluid would come and go through the mesh and pull it out after an hour, after two hours, after... I mean, you could go, and, you know, in Beaumont's book, it will tell you exactly, you know, for different foods, how long before it was uh, it was turned to liquid. And, and once it's liquid, the stomach tends to spurt it into the small intestine, so that would give you answers for different things as long as they were happened to be on the menu. Uh, <laughs> it was a very simple menu. It was a sort of... Uh, um, he was a... The, the guy with the hole was a fur trapper, and this was out in an army garrison in um, Mackinac Island. And it wow. has, that chapter has um, a word that I, that makes me shiver every time, um, fistula. Um, isn't that how you say that word? Oh, fistula. Yeah, yeah fistula. fistula. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that word just, I don't know, just creeps me out. So Fistula. Yeah, well, the actual item, too. You don't want a fistula. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So um, so maybe hearing that word a few times makes people feel like they're going to want to puke, which is another one of our questions that, that um, sometimes after, you know, a hard effort like a demanding workout at, at a track or pushing ourselves super hard in a race, um, some of us mother runners feel like we're going to puke or actually do vomit. Do you have any sense of why that is when you when you push yourself hard, you know, you feel like you want to toss your cookies? I don't actually know why extreme exertion... You know, gulp is really in the the body's food tube under fairly normal circumstances. So, you know, in, in the extremes of exercise, you know, a whole, whole other set of interactions happens and rules come into play. Yeah, hormones are released, and and I, that is a world that I know very, next to nothing about. I'm so sorry. No, I no worries. Know, at all. I don't know why <laughs> extreme exertion makes you want to feel like throwing up okay okay well, let's move on to to poop because that's i mean hopefully let's 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 at least cover that um and and so how many times a day is it is a regular person like how many times a day should a regular person hope to poop or in a week maybe maybe a day is too ambitious i don't know well you know it, it there's been different um there's something called the bristol stool scale which you can get on a coffee mug or a T-shirt, if you're that kind of person. <laughs> um, and it ranges from one to seven. And one uh, is a little hard. Uh, uh, it, it ranges from little hard pellets to entirely liquid. So three to four is the range of, uh, I think number four is 
like a sausage or snake, smooth and soft. Uh, so that's kind of, for most people, the ideal. And if that's, you know, again, it depends on how much fiber you're eating because the, the large intestine is kind of like a compost bin. The stuff that we can't absorb, the, the, you know, the woody material, the fiber, the stuff that we don't have the ability to break down because we don't have bacteria in the small intestine, like cows break down plant material in the rumen um, by, by fermenting, basically bacteria breaking it down. We don't have that in the small intestine, so it gets passed on to the colon. So the, if you eat a lot of salad and fiber and, and roughage, uh, the compost bin tends to fill f fast, and once it's full, you have stretch receptors in the rectum that are letting you know, okay, time to empty the compost bin because we don't <laughs> want to rupture. So you you get the urge to go, and and also roughage tends to you know absorbing moisture in it. So it's it's a it's very diet specific. So if if so your normal really depends on what your diet is. You know, if sure. you're in an environment where you can't get fresh, like if you're in, you know, the early astronauts, they constipated them on purpose because they didn't have a toilet up there and they didn't have fresh produce, so they're eating very highly processed food. So they, you know, they would. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash AMR. That's BarkBox.com slash AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR. Go figure, go for a week. You know, you can really go a long time if you don't have a lot of stuff in the bin. Sure. So, <laughs> um, Do you have any idea why caffeine helps us empty the bin? Like, you know, why a cup of coffee sometimes makes you want to go to the bathroom? Yeah, caffeine stimulates gut motility, so it, it, it causes the 
you know, the peristalsis that moves things along. So does eating. If you eat, if you eat a big meal in particular, something called the gastrocolic reflex kicks in, and that's sort of out with the old, in with the new. So your body's <laughs> making room. You eat a big meal. They're like, oh, better clear it out on the other end. So you do get this. It's called postprandial urgency, where if you eat a big meal, um, you'll, uh, yeah, it's a, it depends on individual variations and how long, but you'll need to go take a dump. Uh, afterwards, usually. <laughs> so, um, but anyway. And is there any sense of how long the uh, cup of coffee takes to make people? Um... Pretty, it's pretty quick. I mean, I just speaking from experience, uh, it, it gets, uh, you know, liquid gets into the bloodstream pretty quickly. It doesn't need to be broken down like solid foods spend time in the stomach um, being, you know, being sort of taken apart. But, you know, liquid can be passed along pretty quickly. So it, it's, you know, a matter of less than an hour. I, I'm sure. you know, just based mm-hmm. on my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my husband announced. Yeah, my husband yeah. announced the other day. We are actually quite obsessed with poop around this house right now. We're trying to get my younger son uh, not to be constipated anymore. Yeah, um, my only son. And so, you know, Grant, my husband was talking about, and an hour after I drink my coffee, I always have to poop. Like we're trying to make it like this very normal thing, you know. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. which it is obviously, but we're trying to you know take the stigma away and be like, okay, now see if you can go. See if you can go. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting thing in the in the book called um, paradoxical sphincter contraction and that is a form of constipation that is uh, more behavioral than physiological and what happens is often with adults they'll, they'll um, people who don't like to use a toilet that's not their own or they don't want to take the time to go relieve themselves they'll go oh yeah later I'll do it later and they ignore the urge and they um, and so they develop a habit of when they get the urge they clench instead of letting go you know it's healthier it's healthier to go and so that becomes uh just something when they end up going into the bathroom they're they're doing the exact opposite of what they should be doing and uh there are biofeedback techniques for that and uh but it's you know in some cases where people you know their diet seems normal you can't seem to you know figure out what might be happening it it sometimes is uh that you know a lot of people on the go who don't really uh, have time to, you know, they don't feel that they have to, oh, I'll deal with that later. I've got you know, just one more thing to do. And they just, yeah, they're just clenching, you know, yeah, clenching I've, instead I've of letting go. People who are like on trips, like, and they cannot go at all on a trip, and then they come back and, you know, they literally like walk in the house and all of a sudden they're like beelining for their own toilet. Like, it is, yeah. a, it is obviously a mental thing more than a physical thing, but um, it's interesting how those two kind of can get interrelated the mind and the Yeah, it, it can become a real uh, a habit. Yeah, and um, right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, so you talking about the, the compost bin, Mary, um, brings up one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is, um, so when I was going to try to run um, my fastest ever marathon, um, a seasoned runner told me that she avoids all green foods in the few days leading up to a big race. And, you know, from, from the, you know, work that you've done, do you think that sounds like a good idea? You know, it's uh, greens as in vegetables or green, the color green, green, like vegetables. And, and, oh. um, yeah. well, yeah, if you're worried about, um, fecal incontinence, you know, if you're worried about, <laughs> you're going to be on a long run and you don't want to have to deal with the needing to go, um, you know, the less leafy green fibrous material, the, you know, the less you're going to 
the less risk there would be that you'd need to go. I, so I would, I don't know if that's her reasoning, but yeah, um, yeah, I got the yeah, sh- it's yeah. sort of a way of self-constipating. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's another tool we could have in our toolkit, Sarah. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, what about, um, and so I heard you on fresh air and I, and I heard you talk about um, a lot of things, but one of the things was passing gas or farting or whatever, what uh-huh. flatulence, I think that's what Terry Gross, I think felt most comfortable calling it was flatulence. And, uh, and you were saying that women seem to seem to have it more than men is that is am i remembering that correctly there's a somebody some paper claimed that women tend to women have more off-putting odor but men make up with with, for that with a greater volume oh that's fairly i don't i kind of don't trust that because it is so dependent on what you eat because the gas comes from bacteria in your colon breaking down whatever you present to them um and the the stuff that stinks is mostly protein meat uh mm. or uh cruciferous vegetables uh, with, which have sulfur compounds so those tend to contribute the smell most of the most of gas is hydrogen or methane and it's odorless so it's very diet dependent um also depends on what bacteria you have in your gut so i don't really see why women should but anyway that was that's something i read that women tend somebody judged some <laughs> certified odor expert I don't know how what did they collected the flatus. I mean, there's lots of different ways you oh, can flatus. collect flatus. Oh, flatus. That's what it was. Flatus. Yeah, yeah. flatus. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Such a fun well, word. And, and so, if you wanted to like consciously um, decrease the amount of flatus you put into the world, what what would you do? You mean the by volume or by smell? Well, or both. I mean, just stop farting. You know, or stop farting so much. You know, <laughs> and and I guess the, the intensity also matters as well, right? <laughs> Uh, what was the last thing you said? The, the, the intensity, the smell also matters oh, as well, smell. obviously. Well, yeah. um, uh, stop eating meat. If you're, if you're worried that the, the smell is, is offensive, uh, a vegetarian diet would be uh, probably less off-putting. Um, but then again, you eat a lot of cruciferous vegetables, and you're going to have odor. So um, there's certain there. There are uh, so there's something called oligosaccharides, which is it's a complex carbohydrate in beans and legumes and things, and that the bacteria love to go to town on those, and they produce a lot of hydrogen. So that's a big volume of gas. So uh, e- you know, eating um, and even and bread, you know, carbohydrate uh, oh. creates a lot of volume, not a lot of odor. So you know, I, I think that I would recommend. Well, one my favorite recommendation was by one gastroenterologist who said that when he has patients who complain about offensive flatus, he says, get a dog. (laughs) (laughs) So then you can blame your dog. Um, uh, Yeah. Um, Well, and does it serve a purpose? I mean, does it serve a purpose as far as our health goes and our body functioning goes? Yes, it does, in, in that if the gas was allowed to build up without being released, you could rupture your colon. Oh, okay. Huh. When you feel gas pain, that's from um, the the gut all along has stretch receptors. So that's how you feel pain in your gut. You could cut the colon on the inside. You can burn it and you won't feel it. But mm. if you stretch it, that's why a, a, a colonoscopy hurts when the mm. when the colonoscope goes around the corner and it kind of stretches out the the large intestine. That hurts. That's that's how you feel pain. We have gas building up, too much gas, and a pocket of gas that stretches out the colon. That hurts. That's that's. And if you never emptied it, if you never let the gas out, you could rupture the colon. So a, a fart is a, a survival. 
I love the image. I love that image of turning a corner in the uh, intestines when you talked about the colonoscopy. Um, Yeah, you could feel that. I had a colonoscopy without drugs, and and that's when it hurts. Wow, that's hardcore. Did you do that for research for the book? Uh, Yeah, I wanted to see what it looked like in there, but I also had read papers um, about uh, in in Europe and Asia, colonoscopies are often done more, or typically done with sedation on demand. So well, in other words, it's all set up and ready to go if you want it, if you need it. And 80% of people don't get it. They're, wow. They're, 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 it, it, yeah, we way over medicate and it's, you know, you can then charge, <laughs> you can then charge for that. So that's probably part of it too. But uh-huh. um, Americans have this sense that a colonoscopy is a terribly painful thing. And it's, it's not for most people, particularly a big person, big stature, a big guy, uh-huh. where there's a lot of room for the guts to be in there. Uh-huh. It's not terribly painful. I mean, I, mine was painful, but not, you know, it's not like labor pain or something. It's, it's, you know, you go, ah, and then it's over, and then they, until they get to the next kink in your colon. All right, so now for the question, for the real reason why I, Sarah, wanted to have you on the podcast. And, and so here goes, and, and this is yes. me oversharing. So um, it seems like my body knows to clear the chute before I go running. So I run on, I have a pretty regular schedule of, of exercise. So Monday, Wednesday mornings, I go running for about an hour within 30 minutes of waking up. And that I have to poop within minutes of getting up out of bed. Yet on Tuesdays and Thursdays, when I take a strength training class at my gym and thus am, you know, near a toilet if I were to need it, yet I never have, like, why is it sometimes I don't poop until well after the workout? Like, like it feels like my butt knows my training schedule, but but can it really and like, can you kind of train your, you know, train your intestines to, to empty the chute? Well, I've, I've not heard of intestine training, um, but I believe, <laughs> I believe you could. There are, I mean, intestines, um, I have a great quote for you. There's a guy named Chuck Gerber who's a microbiologist who, well, it doesn't matter what he did, but he said he did. He was a consultant on those self-flushing toilets, and he needed to know, like, how long do people spend in the stall and da-da-da. So he uh-huh. sort of became in – he'd hide out in bathrooms, and <laughs> he paid attention to this. And he said, there, he said, you can set your watch by people's sphincters. <laughs> in other words, people tend to go – people tend to go at the same – if they actually paid attention and jotted down the time, they tend to go – and it's often it's tied to what they're eating. So they eat breakfast at, at a certain time, and therefore at X – amount of time afterwards because of that gastrocolic reflex, they are going to go. So um, in your case, I don't know if you're eating anything in the morning. I do, but not till after. Like I, you know, I, I live after. on a uh-huh. three-story house, so I'm on the, I sleep on the second right. floor, do my business there, and then go downstairs and eat something before I head out the door on my run. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that the the gut, and I couldn't tell you why. I mean, the gut has its own sort of primitive nervous system. It's smarter than you think. I mean, I, in the same way that, you know, you, you when you get to a, you have to pee and you get to a stall, then suddenly the urgency really kicks mm-hmm. in. Like, mm-hmm. you're able to, man, there's a there's a manual override that, you know, you can, you can consciously control things uh, and probably subconsciously control them as well. Mm. So, you know, I don't, I don't really have a good answer for you because I've not talked to any experts about that um i could 
you know, suggest a couple of people you might want to uh, talk to. <laughs> Gastroenterologists with a sense of humor is what you need. But yeah, I don't. I don't know why. Uh, I mean, I I would believe that the gut can sort of figure out what's optimal. You know, in the same way, like plants figure out, like oh, if I keep if I grow in this direction, they're going to keep trimming me. And so you ever notice that? They'll like stop. They'll go, okay, that's not working for me. Let's grow that way. This is a plant. So I imagine that your gut, your gut is probably with yeah. your subconscious help yeah. learning. I think, I think, I believe that. I believe, I oh, I believe it too. And I feel yeah. very validated that you, that you're thinking yeah. the same thing. So, and then also how about the follow-up? I also believe that um, gravity helps because so that I, you know, hop out of bed, yeah. go into the yeah. bathroom and brush my teeth. And I feel that that two minutes of brushing my teeth, it's like gravity's working its way. And that's like, okay. You yes. know. Yeah. Yeah. Gravity does. I mean, uh, astronauts in zero gravity with uh, the, the bladder works by stretch receptors too. Well, mm-hmm. And with zero gravity, if you're floating, if everything's floating, the liquid doesn't pile up on the bottom of the organ. Oh. Therefore, it doesn't trigger the stress receptors uh, until like it's completely full, so they have to kind of toilet train astronauts. And what are they? How do they do that? Do you, do you have to have like a, a bag to go? That? I mean, because that's not no, great they, to fill your bladder up, is it? They just they say, you know what? Go to the bathroom every few hours, whether or not you think you need to, because your body's going to it's going to tell you when it's too late, mm, because sure. the fluid is all over, not piling up at the bottom. And and similarly, um, you know, to use a bedpan to try to. Oh, empty yeah. your bowels, lying down is a very, it's, you know, the best squatting is the best because then you have gravity and the pressure of kind of your body is squishing mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, posture is definitely so, uh, plays a role. So then that whole, the, you know, the, the urine needing to fall to the bottom of the bladder, mm-hmm. do you think maybe that's why as runners with it, you know, we can feel like, okay, I'm ready to go out the door, totally just peed. And then within you know, half a block of our house, it's like, oh, come on, I don't really have to pee all over again, do I? Yeah, probably because with each step, it's kind of pushing, you know, it's it's, Shaking it's things coming down. down hard and probably yeah. activating those stretch receptors. You know, if you have a, I mean, I, there, there may be some um, endocrine system thing going, there may be something more complicated that has to do with, you know, metabolism, that I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, I think exercise and physical activity, you know, if you have a certain amount of liquid and it's go, it's sloshing up, down, up, down, when it comes down, I would think it's sloshing, pre- putting pressure on the walls of the organ. Mm, totally. That makes guess. sense. Yeah. I think, I mean, I've, I've done, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no Mary Roach, but I have done like the gross Q and a for runner's world. And I mean, exercise just exacerbates everything, you know? Yeah. So like, yeah. So like if you feel the need to go to the bathroom and you're running, it's going to be worse. If you've got a poop, it's going to be a lot worse. You know, it's just yeah. like, it, it seems to just kind of ratchet up the intensity more than anything. Well, like, yeah. And also, I mean, when you're running, your metabolic rate is much higher. So you are, you know, everything's getting processed that much faster. There are, there are dogs that are, um, there, there's a certain kind of dog, and this is back from my, the book before, but I talked to a pet food guy who was saying there's certainly, they're hunting dogs and they're bred to be ready to get up and go in a second. So they're, they're very high, um, they're very alert and they're very high metabolic rate and they poop far more it's far looser like they're they're just their systems are revved up that was how he explained it to me i mean he's a dog pet food guy i don't know if this is sure sure no relevant. that makes sense yeah but yeah i think yeah, i think you know you are with the same you know when you're nervous if you have to go give a speech mm-hmm. everything's revved up people frequently have to feel like they have to go and 
take a dump. They just feel because, and I, that's also going. There's a certain amount of clenching of the rectum, and when you're, and when you're tense and you're 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 squeezing it, you're you know it takes less volume to feel full. So that's also playing a role. But um, yeah, I, I would I would think part of the part of it is just everything's revved up. Everything's <laughs> happening faster. And as long as we're talking about clenching, how about this that um, that sometimes. Uh, when you're running, you know, and you do feel the urge to poop, uh, this happened to um, pal of mine the other day, you know, you kind of like stop and kind of clench and clench and try to like almost in in a way push it back up. Like, is that, yeah. is that, is that a bad thing? Is that going to cause like problems? Uh, I don't think that that's harmful, but the longer feces sits there, it the drier it gets because, you know, moisture kept, keeps being absorbed from it. So, uh, you know, if you had a tendency toward constipation, that wouldn't help you. <laughs> that would, uh, it would tend to, to make it drier and harder. Um, and the, the other thing that is what we talked about before with, uh, um, you know, you might get in the habit of clenching when you feel the urge and that there are cases where people end up, um, they just do that habitually and they become constipated because they're clenching when it should be relaxing the anal sphincter. But generally speaking, no, I don't, see why that would be a yeah we're just talking like for 20 minutes or you know get that final two miles home or or, you know until you find a porta potty that sort of thing yeah i think it's no different than being on a drive and not seeing a rest area so good good analogy yeah or you can wear diapers like that woman who was going to kill her astronaut lover back in the day remember (laughs) that's right that's right yeah Yeah, the lady that was the weirdest thing i know right and no one forgets it I had them in the car. <laughs> what? You had the diaper? And then she said, oh, I had them in the car since Hurricane Rita. I'm like, that was years ago. You've got diapers? In your... Don't you clean out your car? I have a lot of questions for you. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, Mary, thank you so much for joining us. This was fun. All right. Well, thanks, you guys. Thanks. I'll, okay. go back to my, I'll go back to my sweater. Okay. All right. <laughs> sweater Sounds problem. Yeah. All right. Thanks. It was fun to talk to you. Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. the real reason, Sarah, why you just know when to go, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Did you ever have those underwear with the days of the week on them when you were younger? No, you know, the the only word that, that my underwear ever said was I was a huge fan of Bloomingdale's when I was a child. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. had I had ones that said Bloomies on my butt. Oh, oh. We got we got a pack and they only had six in the pack for like, a, I don't know, we got them for Christmas or something because it was a weekender. <laughs> no Saturday and Sunday, just a weekender. Well, like, <laughs> that's that, that way if you you know if you end up you know having to do a walk of shame on sunday morning you're like well good enough it's still the weekend I... <laughs> exactly yeah no they were they were like for like seven and eight year olds it kind of cracked me up the weekender but yeah i think you just have like this kind of like you know you wear if you wear your undies to bed which you know i, I don't let amelia do because i feel like that's not good for for, for air. anyway wow we're really going tmi all of a sudden aren't i yeah yeah okay we'll just steer clear of that but yeah. that was you know that, that was my funny joke about that <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, if you want to talk more TMI with us, the best place to do that is on our Facebook page. Uh, We have our TMI Tuesdays over there. Uh, We are Run Like a Mother, the book. Our website is anothermotherrunner.com, plus our newly launched motherrunnerstore.com. On Twitter and uh, Instagram, we are at the Mother Runner. Our two books, Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother, are available on Amazon.com as well as our store. And... um, 
whether you have to pee or poop or not while you're out there. Many happy miles to you. Whether you're clenching your sphincter or not, (laughs) we're still hoping it's a good happy mile. Because that's all you're going to get if you're clenching your sphincter. (laughs) 